Please be seated. In uh, year B of the lectionary cycle, which is what we are in right now, we have this long uh, season during the summer of the sixth chapter of John. And in this sixth chapter of John, Jesus speaks quite frequently about bread and being the bread of heaven, the bread of life. And I was joking that I think year B could be the bread year, for B for bread. Um, but, and, and also on uh, social media, so a lot of the priests are sort of uh, venting with their frustrations about what do I come up with next week for this. Um, and who is preaching on all of these, uh, these gospel readings. And there's quite a lot going back and forth. But Jesus sort of wraps it up uh, with this reading today. And, you know, we started out, remember weeks ago, with the story of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. And that was very easy for people to get behind, wasn't it? Because it was uh, a miracle, it was something, fantastic thing to witness. They also got free lunch out of it. So what wasn't to like? It was easy. I like to think that was kind of the hook. And then following that, the people uh, went across the, the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, to find Jesus again because they wanted to see something like this happen again. But this time, he made it a little more difficult, and he started to explain to them what all this meant and how he was the bread which came down from heaven. Not like the manna in the wilderness, which existed for a time and fed people for a time, but then disappeared and the people died, as people do. But instead, this is something different. This is something eternal. And it's hard for us as human beings, and it would have been hard for them at that time too, to wrap their temporal, finite, earthly minds around the concept of eternity, around the concept of partaking of something which will sustain you forever. And so, as time goes on, Jesus opens himself and the, God's truth to the people greater and greater. And so here we hear, see him with a group of his disciples, the twelve plus some others, as we know, he had many other disciples besides just the, the core group of 12. And it becomes a little more difficult this time. Now he says, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Now imagine you're going along with this guy. You've seen some great things. Uh, you're, you're learning about uh, God's love and his plan for the world. And you think it's this is going to be great. And all of a sudden, this person who you're looking to as a teacher says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. It must have come as sort of a shock. I mean, we, we read it with the, the, through the lens of Christianity, and it sort of uh, just sort of rolls off the tongue, and, and we don't really think much of it in that way because we partake of the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. And... These people hadn't experienced that, though. And so that must have been quite a leap of faith for some of them. Some just, mm, that's enough. I've come far enough. I don't want any more of this. It must have seemed sort of, uh, to use a modern term, cultish, if you will. 
perhaps radical, perhaps insane. And so quite a few turned around and went home. They said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But then Jesus asks the 12, well, what about you? Do you wish to go away? And Simon Peter, in his uh, typical enthusiasm for Jesus, says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, just as uh, it says here in the uh, reading, for Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. So if he knew that, he must also have known about the rest of the disciples. Simon Peter, always right there at his side, always Johnny on the spot, ready to go, in for it all, you know, he knew that Simon Peter would betray him. This was our, one of our lessons during Vacation Bible School, was the story of Peter and how he betrayed Jesus, and yet how Jesus still worked great things through him. So you see these, these sort of fair-weather friend followers who, uh, at the first challenging saying of Jesus, get turned off and walk away. And that's true with, with life, isn't it? Um, and then you have the core group. But even the core group, we know, at some point will reach a, a, a breaking point and almost all of them will desert Jesus. When he is there hanging on the cross, becoming this bread of life, this gate to heaven for us, for all people, for all time, during that tragic moment, he's left only with one disciple, John and his mother and some of the other women who stand by. But in the grace of God and in his plan, somehow these 12, well, 11 of them, somehow these disciples are brought back together. And after his resurrection, we know that they spent a lot of time in seclusion, behind locked doors with the windows closed. Um, I don't know if they had draperies, but I'm sure whatever they had uh, in the windows were pulled shut to keep out anybody, to keep out the crowds, to keep out those who they thought might do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. And through their, their fear and self-isolation, Jesus breaks through. Just like he, he breaks through time and enters our space to become the incarnate word, after his resurrection, he appears to them in that upper room. And Thomas touches the wounds in his hand and in his side. And they all believe. And so he works through these fallible, sometimes doubting, sometimes sinful men to actuate this plan of God, this plan of salvation for all of mankind. And so from there, from that room, 
where they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out into the world preaching about the bread of life, the way to eternal life, the way to eternal salvation. And so we can look to their example. And we can see ourselves in all of the people, I think, in in this gospel reading today. Sometimes we're confronted with, uh, we, we have all the right motives and the best intentions, but we're confronted with a hard choice and just decide to take the easy road and let it slide. Sometimes, like the 12, we stick with it, but slip up along the way. But nevertheless, whoever we find ourselves to be in whatever situation, we can take comfort in knowing that this bread of life, this bread of heaven, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our brother, our master, and our friend, is always there to greet us with the open arms that he had on the cross for our salvation. We know that he's always ready to take us back. He's always ready to forgive And so we can take strength in that and courage in that in knowing that despite our human failures and frailties, God wants us, God loves us, and God wants to use us in this world for his good, just like he did those disciples so long ago. So when we receive the bread of heaven in the guise of the Holy Eucharist and that cup of salvation, Meditate on exactly what it is we're doing, not just receiving a token or a symbol, but welcoming ever ever again and again, welcoming Jesus into our lives and into our very souls and hearts, and having the courage with him to go out into this world and proclaim his word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.